Tonight on the number one music show, hits from Elton John, Sean Paul and Melanie Blatt. But first, welcome the winner of American Idol. The 2000s Chart Show. Hello and welcome to the 2000s Chart Show. The chart show where every week we are revisiting the top 40 singles chart from 20 years ago. I am journalist and leader of the movement to get Rachel Stevens a knighthood, Samuel Spencer. And this week we are back at the 6th of September 2003, a time where music sounds like this. Yes, indeed, it does. And let's get into this week's top 40 because there's a lot of big songs to come from artists like Sean Paul, Abs Off of Five, or should that be The Letter Five I've, Elton John, Kelly Clarkson, and Shania Twain. So, quite the star studded lineup. But things are a little less starry at number 40, where this song is a new entry. song you just heard is Passion by Amen UK or because there is an exclamation mark after Amen perhaps it should be Amen UK that song that you heard was called Passion and was originally released in February 1997 when it got to the lofty heights of number 15 so Amen UK as you may have guess on that clunky title were originally called Our Men and had to change it because there was another band called Our Men which was a Los Angeles punk band so this is what we call in the music industry doing a Liberty X Liberty X originally, of course, called Liberty. Then they got sued by an American band called Liberty and it had to become Liberty X. Amen UK is better than Amen X, but it does sound kind of weirdly jingoistic, like Amen, but only to Britain. Don't know if you know this, but Amen literally means so be it. So what it's ultimately saying is so be it UK, which is kind of the words of resignation I say every time our country does something awful, which, not to get political, is often. It's like, oh... Nadine Doris has made us say embarrassment on the international stage again. So be it, UK. On their Wikipedia page, it says that our men attracted a significant following in the United Kingdom. That's the Los Angeles punk band. I don't know why people lie so vigorously on their Wikipedia pages. Like, it's not easy to click through to another link or even scroll down. I find that's wrong. Their peak on the UK chart was number 52 on the singles chart and number 77 on the album chart. So, yeah, sure, it's significant following. It's like when you're walking down the street and you think someone's following you, but you're actually just both going the same way. Amen UK, or Amen UK, were not a Los Angeles punk band, but were a British dance act made up of Panos Liassi and Paul Masterson, who were also behind Yamanda, whose song You're Free we talked about recently. That song, of course, a dance remix of a dance song. 
and this is Paul Masterson remixing his own song Passion one of his big songs 2003 a dance cover of a dance song this song a dance remix of a dance song so I'm thinking that Paul Masterson may have run out of ideas in 2003 somehow and that might be why he is stuck this week at number 40 especially embarrassing because he couldn't even get past in their 11th week on the chart down from 30 the fast food rockers with the fast food song And it's very fitting on this chart that at number 38 it is fast food rockers great rivals in the charts these two bands were always you know challenging each other like the Beach Boys and the Beatles their equally matched creativity pushed them each further and further into new sonic directions so we had fast food rockers on the one hand and Radiohead on the other hand yes Radiohead and fast food rockers the blur and oasis of the early 2000s Radiohead are at number 38, down from 12 in their second week with Go To Sleep. So that's a 26-place drop for Radiohead, which is pretty shocking. But it's not the most shocking drop on this chart. Last week, we talked about Mark Joseph, who was at number 28 with his song Fly. On this week's chart, he is at, get ready for this, number 86, a 60-place drop for Mark Joseph. So I think Radiohead are pretty relieved to only have a mere 26 place drop and in fact they're in good company because also having a 26 place drop this week in their second week are the libertines with don't look back into the sun let's not look back into the sun but let's do look back at that song and they said it would never come for you oh oh, oh. Oh, my friends you haven't changed you're looking rough and living strange and i know you've got a so you may want why are these two rock bands getting a 26 place drop you know these are two bands that have a big fan base basically at this point there i think there was a gen in 2003 there was a general feeling that people were sick of kind of manufactured pop music which is complete bullshit but whatever people were more snobbish about pop music these quote-unquote serious rock bands there was always a kind of concerted attempt to get them to number one this is what happens with razor likes in a few years people are desperate to get them to number one it's very funny now to think that people thought that razor light were like the future of rock music but they did also similarly Coldplay. there's a big campaign to get them to 
number one in 2006, which is hilariously beaten by Crazy Frog. It's people who think that they're too good for pop music will rally behind these artists and try and get to to number one. But then when it doesn't happen in week one, all that kind of interest kind of drops off, especially if they can only get them to 11 or 12 as they could with Radiohead and the Libertines. And this is how you can tell that the Libertines and Radiohead are supported by straight people. Because when gay people wanted to get to Padam Padam into the top 10, they damn well did it. Which is more than you can say for the serious musos of 2003. We say that they're entirely straight, but the Libertines should be gay canon because they are technically a gay band. Carl and Pete are said to be bisexual. There's some questions about whether the two of them have ever done the beast with two backs together to be poetic about it but whether they did or did not have sex with each other they were definitely both at one point rent boys and so it's very clear that if you have been listening to this podcast and you're like oh i don't really like the libertines then you are both biphobic and anti-sex work you should be ashamed so why you wallow in your homophobia i will take you to number 36 this is down from 25 and it's seventh week i someone played this in a club i was in on saturday yes sorry guys i didn't stay in to watch the girls allowed tangled up tour i'm gonna catch it on iplayer we're gonna talk about it next week because instead i was listening to benny Benassi featuring the biz with satisfaction and then just touch me till i can get my satisfaction 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 push me and then just hurt me till i can get my satisfaction 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 Hope you've been just doing some sexy DIY in those 30 seconds to fit the tone of the song. Now this week we have a lot of new entries. I think we have 15, which is the most we've ever had in this podcast. And so to quote the title of an iconic Diane Keaton film, Something's Gotta Give. And that something is at number 35, a new entry for Ocean Colour Scene with Make the Deal. sorry i just cannot garner the enthusiasm to talk about ocean color scene it was hard enough with their last single i don't want to do it we're gonna skip it i'm just not gonna talk about ocean color scene you can email me be like please please talk about it and we'll do it but i just think none of you care about ocean color scene i don't care about ocean color scene the only person i know who cares about ocean color scene is chris evans and i don't think he listens to be honest i mean if you do listen though chris evans do email him because i would love to talk to you about your time being married to Billy Piper. Very fascinated in that. And also, but how could you let her go and marry Lawrence Fox? Anyway, if Chris Evans emails, I'll give you answers to all of those questions, but we are not going to talk about Make the Deal by Ocean Colour Scene. Instead, we're going to talk about our new entry at number 34. This is Snap versus Mativo with the power brackets of Bangra. Yes, another Bangra song there. 
We've had a few over the last few weeks. Of course, Bangwe Nights with Hussan, the most famous. We had Punjabi MC, and of course, we had the ultimate Bangwe song, the high point of its genre, Gav Gates, Spirit in the Sky. I thought we got reincarnated. I want to come back as Gareth <laughs> But this is, of course, a Bangra remix of the Snap song. Oh, that's actually, I think, like our men, that has an exclamation mark, doesn't it? So it should be Snap. Sounded like my voice was breaking there. Yes, yeah, Snap's The Power. Originally a number one in March and April 1990, when it was number one for two weeks. And now we're getting a remix from Italian DJs Luca Moretti and Ricky Romanini. They are Motivo. So yes, another Bangra remix done entirely by non-Asian European DJs, which was also the case with Bangra Nights a few weeks ago. I'm not quite sure what it was about all these European acts thinking that they could do Bangra songs and that being fine. I think we just marked that under things that happened in 2003. The Bangra Nights, by the way, were a Dutch band who did a Bangra song and now his two Italians. But the slightly problematic European guys doing a predominantly Asian music is the least of this song's problems because The Power has been a controversial song of recent years because its singer, original singer Jocelyn Brown would, a few years after this song was released, sue Snap for using her vocals uncredited in the song. So she launched this lawsuit in 2009. Here is her talking about it on BBC Breakfast, of all places. That you were responsible for one of the most famous phrases in singing, in modern singing, which the four words, I've got the power, that's you. Yeah. But you actually are still involved in an action, aren't you, to try and sort of get what's rightfully yours because of it? Because it got nicked, didn't it? Exactly. Yeah, a situation that went down, which is pretty common now, mm. which we're aware of, that folks take and... Use samples, and they use a sample off the album that I did, one from the heart, and a song uh, "Love's Gonna Get You," and uh, the group Snap used it as a part of that whole programming, which was actually the album was called "The Power," yeah. and uh, they used that as the actual gimmick. But in actuality, it took off and became more of that, and they never acknowledged the fact of who they got it from or who did it. So. Yeah. And it was you. And it was me. And oh. you want what's rightfully yours. Yeah. Hearing. Bill and Naga talk about Eurodance from the 90s just feels very wrong, doesn't it? But here's some information. So she tried to sue the band in 2009 for £10 million after accusing them of using her vocals without permission. She alleges that the band used her vocal hook from the 1986 song Love's Gonna Get You and therefore she she wants half of the £20 million that the song has reportedly earned. Apparently it's been in 500 advertisements and films, so £10 million seems quite low, but... There we go. She said at the time, I used to feel depressed that they'd stolen my voice. Now I've decided to fight. But unfortunately, the results of that fight that has not ever been made public, which I would, knowing the tiny little bit about legal things that I do, would suggest that she settled it out of court. But we just don't know. This is sometimes the problem with the press, that they love to report that someone is suing someone, but then they won't do the follow through to kind of give you the result of that. Often because a lot of this stuff is kind of settled out of court for now. We don't know whether she had the power to get some money off of Snap. What we do know, however, is that there is another new entry at number 33. I told you they were coming thick and fast. Here is The Thrills with Santa Cruz, brackets, you're not that far. Now 
those August cowboys stole your style. The Thrills, of course, an Irish band, and last week, or the week before, we hit an incredible milestone at the 2000s chart show. It's that, for some reason, on the Irish iTunes charts for music podcasts, we were at number 15 on the chart, which is very exciting. Very exciting to be in the charts when you are a show about charts. We were at number 15, so if we were on this week's chart, right, we would be Stacey Orico Stuck, which is absolutely fine by me so yes it seems that we have a lot of irish listeners so hello guys and i'm so glad we can talk about an irish band here although they are an irish band but they have now this is their second song in a row with an american place name in its title their last song was big sir Just don't go back to big which is i don't know somewhere in america in yeehawsville america and of course santa cruz is somewhere else in america look this is not a geography podcast okay and we get it american places have they feel more glamorous and they feel like they have more of a mystique you know it doesn't i guess it wouldn't really work with irish or british place names you know just don't go back to berwick upon tweed doesn't work does it and to their credit the thrills guys they did write these songs while they were living in san diego for four months so at least it isn't just a indie band deciding to be a bit american just for something different to do in a way that is very critically and commercially successful but ultimately to me feels hollow and i'm definitely not talking about anyone specific arctic monkeys uh yeah so in an interview the lead singer of the thrills connor deasy explained the band's inspiration for these american songs these songs are our ways of picking us up because we were kind of miserable we were dropped by our label and the towns we put in the songs are a way of escapism, as opposed to documenting little tales about what happened when we went there. When we would put in a title like Santa Cruz, it would literally pick us up a bit. I mean, it wouldn't literally pick you up a bit. Calling a song Santa Cruz does not give you the power to levitate, but whatever. Who am I to argue with a song that Q Magazine once called the 550th best song ever made, which put it in between Love is the Drug by Roxy Music and All Along the Watchtower by Jimi Hendrix, which is pretty good going for the thrills, even though, in my opinion, Big Sir is the much better song. But both of them are for the same album, which is called So Much for the City, which lost the Mercury Prize this year to Dizzy Rascal, who we talked about last week when he was getting stabbed after maybe touching Lisa Mafia's bum. Listen to last week's show for more about that. So that's quite, it's quite a cool thing, I think, to be nominated for the Mercury Prize. It shows that you're kind of at the cutting edge of British and Irish music. So that's quite cool, but then that is ultimately made totally uncool by the fact that the song Say It Ain't So from the album So Much for the City was revealed to be on uh, George W. Bush's iPod when his one of his aides released that to the press, which of course does mean that the thrills are officially complicit in war crimes. Yes, that's right. Another Iraq war reference if you're doing your 2000 chart show bingo at home. And another thing that might be on that bingo card because it's been on the chart for 16 weeks, so four months now. And so we've talked about it a lot. Here at 32 down from 24 is Evanescence with Bring Me to Life. I'm sure awkward segues on that bingo card, which of course that was. Bring Me to Life there, a former number one single on this chart. But don't think we've got too far away from the war on terror 
because here at 31 is a new entry which is all about it. This is Uncle with Eye for an Eye. As in, it's not your uncle. Unless your uncle is in the band Uncle and then it is. sample that you heard there is from the song ball of confusion brackets that's what the world is today originally by the temptations but the uncle are particularly sampling the version by the band the undisputed truth that's for the trivia fans out there so the original song was released in 1970 and was written to reflect the vietnam war segregation white flight drug abuse and crooked politicians do a shag marry avoid from those and now of course it is being used to reflect what say it with me the war on terror the founder of uncle a man called james lavelle he had campaigned strongly against the war in iraq so this was his kind of last statement on the matter now honestly i'm a little pissed off at them because and i'm a pissed off at a lot of these bands because it's like they had absolutely no consideration when they were releasing this that 20 years later someone would want to have a light-hearted look back at the 2003 charts and would constantly have to talk about terrorism and war crimes i'll expect an apology in the mail for that one but then it was the war on terror stuff that got to them a lot of criticism at the time it in the video for Eye for an Eye, we see a race of lovable flower-picking critters assailed by vicious black insects. In a pan of Uncle at the time, written in The Guardian, they say of this, It's impressively directed, but the political message is crass. Saddam Hussein's Iraq was not peopled with lovable flower-picking critters, and geopolitics can't be reduced to the level of Star Wars via the Teletubbies. I would watch Star Wars Teletubbies, by the way. So there we go. Hopefully... I mean, almost certainly not, but fingers crossed the last time we're going to talk about the Iraq war on this podcast. With that, we leave the 30s with four songs by artists beginning with R in a row, which are at 30, R. Kelly featuring Big Tigger with Snake. 29, Robbie Williams with Something Beautiful. 28, Richard X featuring Khalees with Finest Dreams. And at 27, a new entry from The Rapture with House of Jealous Lovers. Let's hear some of those now. Choose love 
That last song you heard is the new entry, House of Jealous Lovers, which was produced by a production group called The DFA, which is made up of James Murphy of LCD Sound System and a man called Tim Goldsworthy, who, coincidentally enough, is a former member of Uncle. Whether this is a coincidence or a bitter move to try and beat his former creative colleague is not sure, but if it is the latter, he has won because he is four places in front so well done to him so before this song the rapture had been more of a kind of indie rock band but this gave them a new dance sound which their record label hated they initially refused to release it and even the singer of the rapture hated it saying that it sounded unfinished and of course because another thread on this podcast record labels know absolutely nothing it of course became the rapture's most famous song and their highest charting song on the uk top 40 one of their three top 40 singles by the way it seems that there was quite a lot of around this song it's quite freudian once you hear the singer of the rapture luke jenner not one of the official jenners unfortunately talking about it it seems that he had a very love-hate relationship with james murphy from lcd sound system he told enemy house of jealous lovers was all the pressure i'd faced growing up when i was a kid my dad told me he didn't want to be my dad and he said he felt I was his romantic rival more than his child in my relationship with my mum. Okay. And I was upset about it. And House of Jealous Lovers was an almost ejaculatory protection of my spirit. It's quite the quote, isn't it? DFA at the time was a complete recreation of my family, except James Murphy was my parental figure. For two years, he would deliberately make me upset. He saw me as a super sexy young guy who was really upset and he wanted to capture that on tape. So he'd wind me up on purpose, then say, go record the vocal, which was cruel. Listen to echoes is like watching someone chew glass. Away with words there for Luke Jenner that he doesn't necessarily have in the lyrics of House of Jealous Lovers. If you allow me to do a dramatic reading for you, here's how the lyrics go. House of Jealous Lovers. House of Jealous Lovers. House of Jealous Lovers. House of Jealous Lovers. Shakedown. House of Jealous Lovers. One hand ties the other. House of Jealous Lovers. House of Jealous Lovers. Shakedown. House of Jealous Lovers. One hand ties the other. House of Jealous Lovers. Oh, and get ready for the switch up here. The Jealous Lovers House. Shakedown. And then one. And then the backing vocals say one, two, two, three, three, four, four. Sound like I'm doing football focus there, don't I? Sheffield Wednesday, three. Manchester United, two. Where were we? Four, four, five, five, six, six, seven, seven, eight, eight. And then end with a big finish. Woo! Beautiful Nobel Prize winning stuff there from Luke Jenner from House of Jealous Lovers. I'm being unkind, but this is a great song. Classic indie disco moment. Who needs words, he says, saying words. So from some not great lyrics to a true wordsmith and a Mercury Prize winning one at that. At 26, down from 17 this week, Dizzy Rascal with Fix Up, Look Sharp. I've heard the music from the streets of the slammer They're trying to see if busy stays true to his grammar Being a celebrity don't mean shit to me Fuck the glitch and glamour, hit up with the blicks and hammer <laughs> Because they're talking black Russian To be on my back to my face, they say nothing Stand up in the bars, keep a firm steady shot Keep the beanies talking, keep the beanies hot flushing Flushing <laughs> MCs down the loo If you don't believe me, bring your pussy, bring your crew Feel free to hit us, I ain't trying to be your mate so we talked last week about the stabbing of Dizzy Rascal, which happened in Iron Apple in Cyprus as part of a fight between the So Solid crew and the Roll Deep crew, which Dizzy Rascal was a member of. It has been said that he touched or pinched Lisa Mafia's ass and this started all the, the fighting. Then Wiley, 
the rapper continued the fighting later on in retaliation the so solid crew or people around them tried to find wiley they couldn't find wiley and so they stabbed dizzy rascal so we talked all of that but we didn't when you know this is a quite dramatic moment and obviously there's a lot of legal issues in play we didn't let the people involved speak for themselves so here is what dizzy rascal said about the incident in a recent interview with vlad tv so what was the situation that this happened it was a bullshit situation really and it's hard to sit here and go into it properly without saying names and without it getting a bit dark because it was a real dark situation overall but for the for the record it what it it escalated and it shouldn't have but it 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 didn't escalate because of anything i did it was actually because of what someone as far as knives getting involved that that weren't because of me someone else pulled out a knife didn't use it, then later on, that's when people came back with knives. That, but that wasn't me. And in the UK, knives are more prominent than... It's, this didn't happen in the UK, this happened in, uh, in Cyprus. Cyprus, the, yeah. the country? Yeah, yeah, in, in Ayanapa, which, is, which at the time, it'll be our, our like spring break spot. Right, okay. But obviously the wildest, wild, all the lunatics are going there for the summer. Like. Okay. So it was, a, it was just, it's one of them places where a lot of on-site stuff happened. Like, whoever's got beef from back home bump into okay. each other and it kicks off. Oh, and also, here's what Wiley had to say about it. How are you and Dizzy Rascal now? Have you ended up things? Oh, man. You? Listen, I love that boy. He knows I love that boy. But we're not going to be friends. Not because we argue, because that arguing's just whatever we're going to argue. That's bullshit. But, I mean, we're not going to be friends anymore because... He holds me responsible for him being stabbed. And I take responsibility. I didn't stab him. I take responsibility because you was with me. But after 14 years, I would have thought you would have realized I didn't stab you. You know why all of the drama happened because of your actions in the first place. I don't want to put you under the bus. I just want you to try and understand I didn't stab you. I haven't heard say anything in a interview format that you can hear online but she does deny the accusations and I will have a look after recording this episode to see if she said anything more and if she did I will insert it exactly here. Okay, so you've either heard something or nothing there but you're now going to hear something, quite something at 25 in its fourth week down from 15 the cheeky girls with hooray hooray it's a cheeky holiday Now, last week, I mentioned the conspiracy theory that this song is, of course, about Dizzy Rascal stabbing because, after all, they were on holiday and the whole incident started over some cheeky behaviour may or may not have involved Lisa Mafia's butt cheek. So, obviously, we debunked that conspiracy theory last week because we are not a conspiracy theory podcast. But it's very funny that those two songs are now together in the chart, is all I'm saying. You know, that is a true fact. That is something that really happened, unlike the moon landing. No, that's... 
That's a joke. I don't want to be. Although maybe that's a, uh, it seems that there's a lot of audience in conspiracy theories. So maybe we'll just go deeper down that route. No, we're definitely not going to do that. What we're going to do is follow the Cheeky Girl's advice and have a cheeky party time and shake our bums left and right. And what a perfect song to do it to. At 24 in its sixth week on the chart, down from 18, here is Daniel Bedingfield with Never Gonna Leave Your Side. Thanks, Bedders. I now realise, obviously, I weirdly lusted over David Steddon a few weeks ago. And before that, I mentioned that Daniel Bedingfield is weirdly attractive. So I'm really giving you a disturbing idea of my type, which is not entirely accurate. It's just bland singer-songwriters of the 2000s. Every chart is an erotic odyssey for me. It really is. The less said about that, the better, though. So let's go to number 23, another new entry and a absolute classic of having a red stripe spilt on your shoes in an indie disco. This is Jet with Are You Gonna Be My Girl. Band Jet, an Australian band, will forever be infamous to indie rock fans for one thing, and that is a review of their second album, Shine On, that was released by Pitchfork. If you don't know, Pitchfork have a rating system where it's uh, it goes up to 10 but it's got decimal points so for example they gave the album Pepper's Adventures colon the album by Pepper Pig a 6.5 and that's that's true they really did that you can google it but they gave Jets Shine On a 1.0 and instead of writing a review they just posted a video of a monkey peeing in its own mouth once that's been posted as a review about you you can never live that one down but this was their second album whereas are you going to be my girl comes from their first album called get born it's saying i think that's a subterranean homesick blues by bob dylan reference if you're feeling uh high culture get born got a almost generous in hindsight 3.7 from pitchfork that's out of 10 not out of five which in typical pretentious Pitchfork 2000s form came in the form of a short story which I do not have the inclination to read so I'm gonna get some AI to do it. So here's a little excerpt from the tediously pretentious Pitchfork review of Get Born by Jet. Hey all you American motherfuckers, we're Jet. Here's a song that sounds like a CDC. A band you love. What though? They're booing. Guys, quick, get back over here. We gotta rethink our strategy. Man, American crowds are fucked up. Everybody loves ACDC. That song is practically an ACDC song. Guys, guys, look. The crowd wants you back. Just get back out there. Everything's all set. This time, the shit's gonna rock. Hey, assholes. It's us again. Jet, here's the song you came to hear. A shameless ripoff of Lust for Life by Iggy Pop. 
Who is here with us tonight in this canon? This is the good thing about AI. This is how I've come to see it. It's good for the tedious jobs that you don't want to do as a creator, like read an overwritten pitchfork short story. This does highlight what I was saying about the Libertines and Radiohead. It was these kind of people who were just too good for any music other than indie rock that made the 2003s such an annoying time. Especially because then they would be like, oh god, I hate Girls Aloud, how awful, but aren't cheering breaks great and you're like no anyway pitchfork in conclusion overwritten reviews that think they're smart and that is coming from someone who's made their career as a journalist on overwritten things that think they're smart but what do they say takes one to no one but certainly their review of jets get born is as annoying as the album get born by jet but let's talk as annoying as that review is, let's talk a little bit about its finer points, particularly the one about the song being ripped off from Lust for Life. And Lana Del Rey Maniacs, get out of my mentions because we mean the Iggy Pop song, not the worst album, let's be honest, by Lana Del Rey, even though they all kind of sound the same. She might be the only person who deserves an era tallest than Taylor Swift. Good, that's no, I now have no listeners left, but that means great because that means I can just really get in to how much Are You Gonna Be My Girl sounds like Lust for Life. The band has defended themselves against this accusation, however. Their lead singer said, I know we were heavily criticised for the Lust for Life comparison, but that was never, ever on my radar. It was more Motown, like You Can't Hurry Love, or even the jams town called Malice. A truly brilliant defence there. No, we didn't rip off your song. We ripped off a different song. So, you look pretty stupid. To Jet's credit, though, I can't believe I'm saying that, their drummer Chris Sester claims that he met Iggy Pop, who said that he too had ripped off Motown beats for his song. So maybe there just truly isn't anything original in this world. But I don't really want to be on the Jet's side because they are annoying and they truly don't help themselves. In another interview about the song, Are You Gonna Be My Girl, the lead singer Nick Sester, the brother of Chris Sester, said he used to live in a bungalow with only two rooms, a bedroom and a toilet, and he would often sit on the toilet and play around on his guitar. Admitting that is just ammunition for critics, isn't it? It's like, while sitting on that toilet, Nick Sester created a huge steaming pile of shit. And then he finished writing Are You Gonna Be My Girl and had a poo. So yeah, we've had, a, we've had some fun with the song Are You Gonna Be My Girl, but let's be honest, none of us are too cool for this song. You would dance to it. If this song came on when you were in propaganda, you would jump up and down and don't say you wouldn't. I mean, I certainly would. I would wonder how I'd ended up at propaganda and then I'd deal with all the flashbacks of all the awful drunken things I did there when I was a teenager, but then I'd dance to it. By the way, I don't know if propaganda's like a niche thing. It was a series of indie discos that they would do at O2 Academies. Or, in my day, they were called Carlin Academies. But, you know, those places where they would play indie music. And weirdly, exactly the same indie music wherever you went in the UK. Even though I think they had, on the face of it, different DJs. That's also, by the way, describing propaganda there for the benefit of US listeners, which apparently we have a lot of looking at the analytics. I really, I'm going to apologise specifically to my American listeners, by the way, for all the time you've spent furiously Googling who Daniel Bedingfield and Javeen are. That's time you can't get back, and I apologise for that. But I'll make it up to you with a peak of a dance classic at 22, staying firm from 22 last week in its 14th week on the chart. XTM and DJ Chucky featuring Anya with Fly on the Wings of Love.
14-week chart placement does officially make Fly on the Wings of Love the daddy of the chart. Technically, Bring Me to Life has had 16 weeks on the chart, but it spent its first three weeks below the top 40. So in terms of top 40 time, Fly on the Wings of Love has had the longest. Again, as we said last week, incredible staying power for a song that never went into the top five. Although again, Irish listeners, you are people of taste because it got into the top five not only got into the top five in ireland but it ended the year as the 11th most bought song in ireland it even outsold crazy in love which is pretty staggering in fact on the irish big best-selling irish songs in ireland of 2003 it was in between crazy in love at number 12 and at number 10 sound of the underground which is an incredible place to be if you're going to be in a sandwich of pop songs although i say that irish people are people of immense taste for that but their number one song of 2003 was a song called We've Got the World by Mickey Hart which I've never heard of I'm now thinking is that Mickey from Boyzone no it can't be Oh, it was the Eurovision entry of 2003 in Ireland, which got to 11th place in the 2003 competition with 53 points. And I'm just looking at the most selling songs of 2003 in the UK. And no, Cry Baby by Gemini was not number one there. So good on Ireland for respecting your Eurovision entries. By the way, if you've got anything more to tell us about Mickey Hart that we as ignorant British people should know, you can email us at the 2000s chart show at gmail.com or follow us on Instagram and Twitter at the 2000s chart show and just 2000s chart show respectively. Integrating a plug there. Nice work. In case this has all led you to wonder what actually was the biggest selling song in the UK in 2003, I'm not going to say now, but all I'm going to say is that we're going to talk about it next week because it's a new entry then. So that's called Building Anticipation. This this podcast in Lark, you know, there's certain tricks and tricks, <laughs> tips and tricks, and one of them is the ability to say tips and tricks, which I have not grasped yet. So Fly on the Wings of Love doing amazingly well, and a song that's doing less well because in its second week it's down to 21 from 10. This is Good Charlotte with the anthem. an anthem for those of you who like drum and bass this is from 14 last week second week on the chart dk and epsilon featuring stamina mc with Barcelona, or if you're not a pretentious fool barcelona This is in its ninth week, down from 14. We mentioned it earlier, the 12th biggest selling song in Ireland in 2003. Beyonce with Crazy in Love. Crazy in love. 
logo, Young B and the ROC. Uh-oh, OG, big homie, the one and only. Stick bony, but the pockets are fat like Tony. Soprano, the rock handle like Ben X. And now 18, a new entry from a woman who is very much the Beyonce of the UK in almost no way. This is Mel Blatt with Do Me Wrong. Blatt, of course, one of the four members of the band All Saints, here releasing her second solo single. So as a member of All Saints, she had had five UK number one singles, Never Ever, the double A side of Under the Bridge and Lady Marmalade, Booty Cool, Pure Shores and Black Coffee. And of course, as a member of the All Saints, she was part of the best girl band of the 90s. Don't message me, Spice Girls fans. It's true. I won't hear anything else. All of this, however, does not stop the name Mel Blatt being a terrible name for a pop star. I mean, I get it. Got name recognition from being in the band and you can't call yourselves Mel B in 2003. But you have to accept that some names just are not sexy enough for pop stars. I honestly, I think when you've got a Mel B and a Mel C in the chart, it would have been an absolute serve if she had just called herself Mel. I would have loved that, but she didn't. She went for Mel Blatt, and that's why she's at 18 and is about to be dropped from her record label. A little bit of history about Mel Blatt. She was a stage school kid. She went to the famous Sylvia Young Stage School, which has had many illustrious alumni in the years. Here's a few of famous faces who went to Sylvia Young. Matt Willis from Busted, Billy Piper, Amy Winehouse, Emma Bunton, Dua Lipa, Rita Ora, Jay Dewan, Javine, Leanne Pinnock, Jesse Nelson, Gemma Collins, okay, Kelly Liberty X, John from S Club, and Daniela Westbrook. Well, most of Daniela Westbrook went to Sylvia Young. Her septum, of course, studied at the Cocaine School of Racking Up Lines, graduated with a first from there. Anyone else still haunted by that image of Daniela Westbrook with no septum because she did all that cocaine? If you're not, please don't Google it because you will be. So this stage school upbringing, moving I have to, can't keep talking about that. It's too horrifying. Talking about Mel Blatt's stage school upbringing. That meant that she started from an early age on the stage. She played Eponine and understudied the role of Cosette in the London production of Les Mis. Her fellow understudy in that, by the way, was Denise Van Outen, who was another student of Sylvia Young at the time. So that's pretty impressive. It's not quite Javine playing Nala in the West End version of The Lion King, but it's pretty cool. But not as cool as my absolute favourite story from 90s pop, which is how the All Saints broke up. Incredible stuff. Famously, the Spice Girls broke up because Jerry and Mel had a lesbian affair or some other reason. But that's the one that I want to believe the most. And the All Saints broke up over a jacket. Incredible. So Shaznay talked about this in some interviews for her solo career. Chasnay had been given this jacket for a photo shoot that All Saints were doing. And then, but one of the other band members wanted it. And so Chasnay told The Guardian, I think, I would never in a million years have put money on the group ending over a jacket incident. But when that incident happened, it fired up so strong, it had to be over. And the way I was then, the state we'd got into then, there was no way she was getting that stupid jacket. Brilliant. 
I would love to know what the jacket was, whether it was uh, whether it was worth throwing away your career with All Saints, because it's certainly true that none of the solo All Saints were able to match the success of the band together. Mel Blatt, however, was the first All Saints to have a solo single. Her song 24-7, a collaboration with Artful Dodger, got to number six in 2001. And then Appleton, which was a combination of Nicole and Natalie, they had a number two with Fantasy, one of my favourite songs, and a number 10 hit with Don't Worry. But then they were dropped from their label after their song Everything Eventually only got to number 38. And by the way, you can listen to our July 26th episode to hear us talk about that song and how it has the absolute worst lyrics of any song ever written. And now history was repeating itself because Mel Blatt was dropped after this song only got to number 18. And in case you were wondering what happened to Chazney, her solo song will come out in summer 2004, so that is a story for another time. What has Mel Blatt done since her pop career ended so she was one of the judges on the voice new zealand at one point alongside daniel beddingfield and then alongside natalia kills and willie moon which means she was there in case you were wondering for the infamous meltdown that destroyed natalia kills and willie moon's career well i guess you couldn't destroy willie moon's career because he didn't have one but ended both of their times in the spotlight let's hear a little bit of that meltdown now i think i look really good and I think you I look good care. because you're dressed as my husband. Mm. Actually, 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 no. actually, actually, you're dressed better than her husband. Thank you, Mel. Thank you, Mel. It's so funny that she criticizes the guy for dressing like her husband because he is literally just wearing a suit. And as far as I know, Willie Moon didn't invent suits. But then again, uh, what does a woman who ripped off Lady Gaga and then when that didn't work, Tried to rip off Lana Del Rey, no, about originality. There you go. Shots fired at Natalia Kills. I, I generally think that being rude about pop stars is punching up. But when it comes to Natalia Kills, that might be punching down. Sorry, Natalia. As for Mel Blatt, however, she was last seen on Celebrity MasterChef. Here's a, a little clip of her meeting Greg Wallace, which is really the truest, truest gift that any celebrity can get. Singer-songwriter Mel's Spring Garden is pan-fried loin of lamb served on a lawn of minted pea puree and buttered peas with asparagus tips, cheesy dauphinoise potatoes, braised carrots and a Madeira gravy. It doesn't have the spectacular appeal of the other dishes, but Mel, you can really cook. It's worth finding the dish that she made here, by the way. It's a lovely, it looks like a lovely cooked bit of meat, but it is on a literal river of peas. I've never seen more peas in my life than on this plate. So good on Mel Blatt, I guess, for keeping peas in business recently. And congratulations to Pharrell Williams for being at number 17 this week, down from 13 in his fourth week with his collaboration with Jay-Z. Here is Frontin. Now 
that's been in the charts for four weeks, a whole month of fronting. Not sure that would involve, but it sounds like you might get chafed a little bit. And another reason you may get chafed is if you're shaking it, just go with me here. At 16, a new entry, Lee Cabrera featuring Alex Cartana with Shake It, brackets, move a little closer. you've just heard there is a clip from their disastrous in my opinion top of the pops performance i know we've complained a lot recently about lazy dance acts just getting a load of scantily clad dancers and thinking that will suffice as a top of the pops performance but maybe that alternative is better than getting a singer who is clearly ill prepared for the spotlight that singer by the way is alex cartana who i don't think this is slander to say definitely wrote her own wikipedia page we mentioned before that i had suspicions that d-side the irish boy band had written their own wikipedia page and i'm almost certain that in my opinion she wrote this wikipedia page the reason that i think that is because there are literally like four very long paragraphs about her early life and her influences it lists basically every subject she ever did at school every thought she ever had until the age of 18 she mentions about 25 different influences that her and her mother had musically and none of this has a single citation so either someone has been vigorously looking through alex cartana's bins or she wrote her own wikipedia page i've seen chart topping stars who have shorter wikipedia pages than this so again she could have a obsessed super fan that demanded that the world knew about alex cartana or she or someone close to her felt that the world needed to know about alex cartana for prosperity i say alex cartana although her name does it seems the one thing i did learn from her wikipedia is that her name actually has a tilde one of those little curly lines above the n which would technically make it cardania and so i look forward to seeing alex cardania in barcelona you may be wondering what alex cardania has done since getting to number 16 in september 2003 well since 2015 she has been involved with the disney junior animated series the lion guard a new animated spin-off of the classic 1994 film the lion king she sings backing vocals on all the songs on the show and has done lead vocals for the song trail to hope and a song called Cupertana community i'm sure i've just inserted a clip of one of those in somewhere And she also, in case you are a big Lion Guard fan or have children who are, she voices the character Twigger the Giraffe. So if you hear her, that is Alex Cartagna in action. So I'm glad that she's still doing well because then I feel that we can make fun of her all we want. She's taking a paycheck from the mouse. So she's doing fine. She's taking that Mickey Moolah. We can say what we want about her. It's not going to hurt her bank balance. So her at 16 means that we are 25 tracks into this countdown. So let's have a look before we get into the top 10 of the people who are fighting to get into it and most importantly of all trying to get 
that number one slot. Last week, of course, that slot was taken by It was their fourth week at the top and they were still selling 40,000 copies, which is pretty good going and probably in a good week with not many releases, they could probably just cling on to that top spot for another week. But as we've said, this is a big week with a lot of big names coming in. So I feel they may be losing their number one slot very soon. But to who, you may wonder, the biggest competitor going into this week was probably he, of course, is on Breathe by Blue Cantrell. So he has two chances at the top spot between Breathe and his new single, Like Glue. If he can get Like Glue to number one and Breathe goes to number two, or if Like Glue goes to number two and Breathe stays at number one, he will join a club including the Beatles, Ed Sheeran and Madonna of people who have managed to have a number one and a number two single at exactly the same time. Also a member of this group, weirdly, is John Travolta because we forget now, but the songs from Greece were absolutely everywhere in 1979, maybe? This is not the 70s chart show, of course. Also trying for that number one slot is a little boy who could... don't know if you've heard of him. His name is Elton John. He is re-releasing a song from the 70s that initially bombed called Are You Ready For Love? It was the soundtrack to Sky Sports in 2003. Exactly what sports Sky Sports were advertising with Are You Ready For Love? I don't know. I know it's not the World Cup because that was 2002. And the reason I know that is because we haven't talked about the Ant and Deck World Cup single We're On The Ball. And that's right, I can only keep track of sporting events by the tie-in singles that they released. So I know that it wasn't that. I know the Olympics weren't until 2004. So exactly what they were doing in 2003 maybe rugby or something whatever it was it was to the tune of are you ready for love for elton john so people have been listening to it all summer and it remains to see whether they're sick of it or whether they've just been eagerly waiting to buy it on single and are going to take it to number one if it does get to number one it will join frankly the most deranged list of number ones that any person has ever had so i'm very excited to talk later about elton john's 10 number ones which you will never guess which ones they are so that's exciting and also exciting is miss independent by kelly clarkson new this week her song a moment like this was a big number one hit in america but it was not released in the uk meaning this is her first single to come out in britain britain famously has a kind of love-hate relationship with America so it remains to be seen whether we will embrace one of their reality TV show winners and take her all the way to number one of course our own reality TV winners are doing have been doing very well in recent years some reality TV show number ones include Hearsay's Pure and Simple Evergreen by Will Young of course my beloved David Snedden's Stop Living the Lie mm. I'd like to live David Steddon's lie. Anyway, sorry. Ooh, don't know what happened to me there. Yes, Kelly Clarkson. Let's see if she can join the illustrious company of Hearsay, Will Young and David Snedden. But trying to stop her from doing that is Little Abs Breen, a.k.a. Abs Love with a Z, a.k.a. Abs from 5, a.k.a. the letter 5, I've. His first song, what you got got to number four in 2002 and his song stop sign which we talked about on this podcast got to number 10 not a great result for a pop star's second single when there's a lot of investment on them so he will be hoping for at least a top five placement to continue his career we'll see if he can do it with miss perfect his duet with nodisha do i know disha i know basically nothing about nodisha we will surely find out if he gets that number one spot. So we have those and two more new entries to go. But first, here are a few songs 
which didn't make it into the top 10. At 15, in its third week, down from nine, Stacey Orico stuck. Fourteen down from six in its third week, busted with sleeping with a light on. Thirteen, Mark Owen with four minute warning. That's down from eight in its fourth week. And at twelve, down from seven, also in its third week. Here is Jameson with complete. There we go. That takes us to number 11. A new entry that just missed the top 10 is Shania Twain with Thank You Baby. me say it there as thank you baby but of course this is Shania Twain so it is thank you baby that is an exclamation mark this song of course has an exclamation mark in it as the ringer put it as Matisse perfected the use of vivid color as Caravaggio luxuriated in the play of light and shadow Shania Twain long ago mastered the fine art of parentheses and exclamation points at this point she had released 14 songs that featured an exclamation mark truly some of the finest titles that any songs have ever had her journey into exclamation marks began with brackets. If you're not in it for love, close brackets, I'm out of here. That was a song from her 1995 album, The Woman in Me. But it was in her 1997 album, Come On Over, the biggest selling album of the entire 1990s, where she really developed a taste for exclamation marks. Some tracks that had them on that album include Whatever You Do, Don't! Two exclamation marks for that track. Of course, the classic two exclamation marked Man, I Feel Like a Woman. Also on that album are If You Want to Touch Her, Comma, Ask and Rock This Country. 
And so if that was her feasting out on exclamation marks, then her next album up was her gorging on exclamation marks until, like that character in Monty Python's Meaning of Life, she had one last little exclamation mark and exploded. Of course, even the album title, Up, had an exclamation mark, so it is technically Up. And, of course, one of the tracks that had an exclamation mark on that album was Up, the title track to Up. You can't obviously see it, but every time I do that, I kind of have to lift my shoulders to really get into it. So just imagine me kind of squawking like a bird every time. Two of the singles that we've heard so far from the album Up had exclamation marks. That's I'm Gonna Get You Good and Ka-Ching! Ka-Ching, I would say, the only one that actually needs an exclamation mark. I think the sound Ka-Ching inherently is exclamatory. The rest of them are due to her mad whims. Some other songs from Up that had exclamation marks were brackets, Wanna Get To Know You, close brackets, That Good, the brilliantly named Waiter, Bring Me Water, the another song, What A Way To Wanna Be, and then there's I'm not in the mood brackets to say no. And the best of all of them, the song simply called Nah. <laughs> yeah, art comes in many forms, I guess. Of course, this song also, her last song with the exclamation mark, Thank You Baby, brackets for making someday come so soon, being the full title. Why does Shania Twain use so many exclamation marks? Well, here she is ex- partly explaining why she chose to use them in the song Man, I Feel Like a Woman. I mean, every person in the world can sing that song with an exclamation mark. It's just a statement kind of feel-good song. It is a feel-good yeah. song. So I've had to s- stop saying it with an exclamation mark because my shoulders were getting tense. Of course, the fact this song has an exclamation mark is not the only slightly wild thing about it. As a single from the album Up, it of course comes in three versions because she released three versions of this album. The first is the pop version, which you just heard, and it was also released in a original country version, paying respect to her roots and also in what i've been calling a bangra version but it's technically what is called a filmy version f-i-l-m-i which is the name for the type of indian music that we see in their cinema Whatever you want to call it though, a lot of sitar and tabla giving it a kind of Indian sound. Of course, Shanar Twain, the famous Canadian country singer, did don a sari for promotional pictures for that. And you could criticise her for that, but she won't hear you because at this point she was sequestered in a Swiss castle, which she bought with the proceeds from Come On Over. Of course, I looked up her Swiss castle. Unfortunately, it is three hours away from Tina Turner's castle in Switzerland. was hoping that they were neighbours. Although I guess that does explain why Tina Turner didn't follow Shania Twain on Instagram, but of course did famously follow Cheryl Cole. But Cheryl Cole does not, to my knowledge, live in a castle in Switzerland, unlike Shania Twain, who lived in this particular castle until 2006 and then moved to what is reportedly a much smaller villa in Switzerland. Ugh, what a problem to have, eh? Oh, my Swiss castle is just too big. Oh, all of these rooms are such a nightmare to clean. Ugh. Move into a smaller Swiss villa. Still, of course, in the millions of pounds or euros. Still Swiss francs? Are they one of the weird countries that don't use euros? There are only two reasons that anyone lives in Switzerland. Unless, of course, they are Swiss. They either love cheese that has holes in it, or they're avoiding tax. Now, not saying that Shania Twain was avoiding tax, 
but I've never seen her take a bite into a piece of Ermental. I don't know what to think. I don't know what she was doing with her reported $400 million fortune. Maybe she was buying a lot of Gouda. I don't know. She certainly would not be the first pop star to move to Switzerland to avoid tax. Among the others who have done similarly were David Bowie, Phil Collins, Freddie Mercury and Michael Jackson, none of whom seem to me to be big cheese fans. I think they might be uh, saving themselves some money there. And in some way, you can't blame them. In So when in 1976, when David Bowie moved to Switzerland, the top rate of tax in England was 83%. This is compared with Switzerland, which was 44% at that time. And then in 1984, lowered rates to, here's the kicker, 11.5%. So that maybe explains why pop stars suddenly found a lot of inspiration from the Swiss Alps. And it is good for one thing that Shania Twain lives in Switzerland. If she's saving herself that much money on tax, at least it means she will never have to do another awkward Febreze advert like the one she did for her last single Forever and For Always. We talked about it on the podcast at the time. But in case you missed that, here is a little clip. What I love the most about Febreze Sense stories is that it's easy. You just press play and it goes and your house smells great. There's a fragrance to suit every mood. So, you know, if you just want to feel cheerful, then you can, you can just choose a, a cheerful fragrance, summery fragrance. It's like music. Whatever mood you want to be in, you just put on the, the right record, the right CD, and it's the same thing with fragrance. I mean, you just... You know, it's great to have a choice and pick it whatever scent you want to reflect your mood. And I'd like to issue an apology there when your skin literally crawled off your body in embarrassment. I'm very sorry that happened to you. But she's only at number 11 this week, so not adding significantly to that reported $400 million fortune. Who kept her out of the top 10, you may be wondering? Well, it is our next new entry, which is a cover version that may be a little familiar to you. Way with Genie in a Bottle, their double A-side single with their song Save Yourself. My indie girlies out there may be thinking to themselves, hmm, that sounds an awful lot like Shays Long by Wet Leg. I didn't know that Wet Leg were big Speedway fans. Perhaps they are, but it may be that the two songs have a common song because this version of Genie in a Bottle is based on a mashup that was big at the time, an unofficial mashup of Genie in a Bottle by Christina Aguilera and Hard to Explain by The Strokes. And no, numerous people have noted how Hard to Explain by The Strokes sounds a little bit like Shays Long by The Wet Leg, by The Wet Leg. Oh, so, oh my God, I'm like 87. I'm starting to call at putting thes in the bands like my mum does. Oh God. Anyway, it seems that they are both taking inspiration from the Strokes and Speedway taking advantage of the fact they weren't able to legally release that mashup by doing as close to it as they could in their cover version. I will say, if your first song is both 
a cover version of two songs and separately a rip-off of someone else's mashup, that does not bode well for your creativity as a band. Mind you, that is also what the Sugar Babes did with Freak Like Me, and that did okay, they did okay. Speedway, unlike the Sugar Babes, tried to show their creativity by releasing this song in a double A side with their own song, Save Yourself. But let's be honest, no one cares about Speedway's song, Save Yourself. Again, so if there's any big Speedway fans out there, I bet you're the Ocean Coliseum people as well, aren't you? You make me sick. So they're not, on the face of it, the most creative band in the world, but they did have a secret creative powerhouse in their midst because the guitarist of Speedway was Dan Gillespie Sells, who later would have four UK top 10 hits as the lead singer of the band The Feeling. He also made more money than any of us will ever see in our lives when he was the writer of the musical Everybody's Talking About Jamie. If that wasn't enough, of a track record he also went to secondary school with Rachel Stevens which obviously he didn't choose but is still a serve in my opinion Stonewall certainly thought so the charity because they called him entertainer of the decade in 2015 which I have to say no disrespect to Dan Gillespie Sells that is a massive stretch were there really so few LGBT celebrities in 2015 that Dan from the feeling was named entertainer of the decade I might have trouble naming him the entertainer of the year entertainer of the month even but entertainer of the decade like Graham Norton dead in a ditch you know in my opinion you know if you're going to scrape the barrel that much just like might as well make a fun choice and be like entertainer of the decade nadia from big brother say what you want but she's definitely entertained me in that decade more than dan from the feeling did but that is all in the future for dan gillespie sells because he still has two more uk top 40s with speedway before we get the era of the feeling and what an exciting era that was. So they are at number 10 and at number 9, despite the fact that Top of the Pops destroyed her by calling her out for being out of tune on the show. Look at our Instagram for that video. Lumidy is still in the top 10 in her fifth week on the chart, down from number 5. Here she is with Never Leave You. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Number eight, we have down from three. Here is Girls Aloud with Life Got Cold. When summer slipped away, so chill now. Oh, we've got many years to go, so take it day by day. And long ago, I lost my soul to some forgotten dream. How was I supposed to know it wasn't worth As I said earlier in the show, I was the only pop gay in Britain, unfortunately, who missed Girls Aloud the Tangled Up tour on BBC Two on Saturday. We will talk a little bit about it next week when I've had a chance to see it. And I'm also going to watch the Life in a Girl Band show that aired after it to see if there's anything great from Girls Aloud in there. I've been recently discovering how hilarious Kimberly is so I'm hoping that she's going to give us some crackers but they will be next week instead we're now going to play a message from my main man the sex god the erotic 
powerhouse that is David Snedden. Here he is talking about his former Fame Academy star, Lamar, who is at number seven with Dance With You. Lamar is a very bad drinker. Lamar cannot handle his drink. Um, and my, it was my first night in Fame Academy because I came in a week late. Um, and my introduction to Lamar Abika was him coming in at half one in the morning steaming drunk on three glasses of champagne um, and shouting down the house and like I said I've had a few I've been out with him a few times since then and every time it's the same you give him three glasses of champagne and the boy can't stand up Lamar getting absolutely tanked maybe because that's the only way you can find David Snedden interesting he's just a piece of meat to me anyway here is the actual song dance of you here's what it sounds like the sounds of the birds and the bees Bringing you to your knees is all I want to do, yeah Dance, 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 dance. dance, dance. dance, dance. I just want to dance with you I just want to roll with you That's at number seven down from number two. And at number six, we have the first of our major contenders coming in. Here is who made it to number six this week. Miss Independent by Kelly Clarkson at number six there, her first entry into the UK charts. I've got a feeling that a lot of you are Kelly Clarkson fans out there, so I don't want to go too hard on her and how similar all of her songs may or may not sound. I definitely won't mention that she told Pop Eater. I really get pissed off when I buy an album and every song sounds the same. I definitely won't say that, well, you must get really pissed off when you listen to your own albums then, babe. I won't say any of that because I know you're all big Kelly Clarkson fans out there. I will move on and tell you about a little bit about Miss Independent, a song that was originally conceived of for Christina Aguilera's Stripped album, Christine Regulera maintains a writing credit on the song, which was originally called Miss Independence, and then was changed to Miss Independent when it came to Kelly Clarkson. Exactly who knew what about the transition from it being a Christian Aguilera song to a Kelly Clarkson song has been a little bit controversial, and Kelly Clarkson's had to talk about it in a number of interviews. So here's a little bit of what she said. That song was originally written for her, is that right? Um, well, it wasn't finished, but they didn't originally start writing it. This is funny. Um, funny is a weird word, but... Um, <laughs> but um, Molly Bolt at the time didn't tell me. But um, she, I guess the producers and writers started it with her, but uh-huh. then it wasn't finished, so I ended up writing the rest of it and finishing it without oh, her even knowing she was on it right and Did you ever hear or ever a part of it song no no no. i swear to god i got my album booklet and i was like oh my god my first album and i was like why is christina aguilera on it i was like that's weird <laughs> and I, who is matt and who and why is christina aguilera on my never song? had mentioned it no which by the way i don't mind of course that's but that's amazing. a bizarre thing as a songwriter to see that no there but were, it was my there first were collaborators example. you didn't even know about yeah it was my first example of just how people just flat out lie Mm-hmm. Or omit. And then I looked at my NR guy at the time and was like, 
That was a douche move. But whatever happened and whoever knew what when, it really is, this song is the perfect choice, I think, to establish yourself as an artist after winning a talent show. I think it's very easy, as Hearsay have shown, to get a number one single as your first song from a reality TV show. But it's the second song that really matters and really cements your career and shows that you're an artist with staying power. That's, again, and I've talked about this before, why No Good Advice is perhaps an even more important song than Sound of the Underground for Girls Aloud because that it's anyone can get a number one from a reality show. The trick is to follow it up with a song that is just as good and Kelly Clarkson is not only doing that here but she's also showing us a different side of herself a moment like this much more of a big powerhouse ballad here showing that she could kind of be more sassy and rocky which would obviously serve her well in the years to come to eventually propel her to 18 UK top 40s including one number one song quick door the explorer like pause for you to guess which Kelly Clarkson song got to number one a lot of you probably thinking since you've been gone or stronger behind these hazel eyes maybe well the answer was actually in fact my life would suck without you is Kelly Clarkson's soul solo number one single in the UK. Although, of course, the song A Moment Like This, which was her first US number one, would be later a number one for Leona Lewis when we get into the X Factor era, which terrifyingly is the 20th anniversary of which is next year. So we're going to be soon talking about the X Factor, which I've never actually seen a full episode of The X Factor before, so it's going to be very exciting to relive that. And by exciting, I mean awful Kelly Clarkson doing very well at the UK Top 40 at number six, but not enough to be at five. Abs featuring Nodisha with Miss Perfect. This song, I have to say, gave me a moment like I'd never had before on this podcast. A lot of these songs, obviously, I I either have never heard them or I remember them very well. You know, for every Thea Gilmore, when I'm like, who the hell is that? There's a Girls Aloud where I'm like, oh yes, I remember all incredibly vividly. But this song, I didn't realise I knew until I listened to it. And then it all came flooding back to me at once. And I could remember every single word. It was like a Proustian flashback. And I checked my last FM to see whether I'd ever played it and I hadn't so I'd obviously I don't know where I'd heard it from obviously just endlessly on the radio at the time I had kind of absorbed it into my bloodstream and of course I remembered it because it is a song produced by Xenomania the finest producers of the 21st century of course best known for their producing basically every Girls Aloud song ever written and all of the good stuff that Rachel Stevens did as well as many great Sugar Babe songs Mini Vivas Left My Heart in Tokyo Amelia Lily's surprisingly good songs so many great songs from Xenomania including Miss Perfect by Abs featuring Nodisha. So this song did get to number five, but unfortunately it was the last single for Abs after his album, the hilariously named Abstract Theory, peaked at 29 next week. And then we've seen this story a few times with pop stars that they're doing okay in the singles, but 
the album bombs, which kind of suggest there's a general lack of interest in them as a pop star. And that is at that point in which the artist gets dropped from the record label. We'll see that a few more times, I'm sure, as the podcast continues. And this led, unfortunately, to quite a dark patch in Abs's life, which he talked about on Loose Women. Yeah, it got to a point where, like, my worst points were I had this penthouse and I had no money, no money at all. I was literally just was bankrupt as well at the same time. They were going to foreclose, take my house. I had no furniture, no cutlery, no anything like that. And I'd I'd be on the corner of my penthouse, just I was on the Thames, thinking about jumping because it's like, what is the point? What is the point? Was that sort of when you, because you've been clean now for five years, haven't you? Was that sort of the turning point, that when you're standing on that ledge? I mean, that and uh, there was a few incidents. Uh, I met the devil as well, which is pretty far out. What do you mean you met the devil? And the funny thing is, it looked like me. I don't know what it was. I don't know what it was. I was, I was so far off and I remember my heart palpitations felt like they were punching through my chest into the mattress. It happened twice and I heard a voice say, one more time. Like, you go one more time at this and that's yeah. it. We're going to take you. Not exactly like that, but... But now Abs is clean, sober and seemingly happy. So glad that he's been able to transcend the awfulness of being a pop star. And to celebrate that, here is a little glimpse of my favourite Abs song. This is What You Got. And what I've got, ha ha ha, is our number four single, which this week is in its fourth week and previously at number four last week. So 444 for Ultra Beat with Pretty Green Eyes. leaves us in a very exciting position because one two and three are last week's number one and two new entries so either blue cantrell is going to get a fifth week and number one or elton john or sean paul are going to get a number one single which one of them is only at number three however it is sean paul with like glue so not joining the list of legends who've had number one and number two hits at the same time but does have at least a number three and a number two or number one hit together we will find out which of those it is very shortly but first the thing about sean paul is that I think many of us have difficulty understanding some of his raps. You also see this particular problem as British people understanding Jamaican people rapping because I've seen many people think it it is funny to do It Wasn't Me by Shaggy as a karaoke song and it all goes perfectly well until it gets to Shaggy's rap and then they just look very lost and start mumbling. So this unique problem that British people have has led to many misheard lyrics for Sean Paul. Luckily, however, Capital FM took 
some of those misheard lyrics to Sean Paul. Here is him rather charmingly performing some of them. Shana Paul, Summer Ghost again. <laughs> That's wrong. It should be Shana Paul, Summer Ghost again, and that means this was coming up next. Well, I do really care what people say. I do really watch what them want do. Still, I got to stick to my girls like glue, and I'm a lovely number two. I might not play number two, that means I'm the number one in the girls book. All I know the Thomas is getting gel. Need a lot of cheese up in my head. <laughs> Got a little Denzel in my bed to run that red. No! All I know that the time is getting dread is what I said instead of Thomas is getting gel. And the cheese up in my head is supposed to be trees. And there's no Denzel, it's Damzel, the thing that's in my bed. <laughs> we Apology there for the terribly loud sound effects that they've put in. I can't criticise anyone else for obnoxious sound effects, but maybe uh, turn down the levels a little bit there. Capital FM. The lyrics from Like Glue, by the way, were initially part of the intro to Sean Paul's first single, Gimme the Light, until he decided it could be expanded and made into its own full song, which clearly has paid off for him because it is here at number three. It also paid off because Pitchfork made a severe choice in their short story review for Jet earlier in the episode, named this the 325th best song of the 2000s. It also cemented Sean Paul as a big chart presence. He has had in total 26 top 40s and 13 top 10 hits, which is incredibly good going. But unfortunately for him, his only number one singles have been as a featured artist. Of course, we know he's had number one a number one single with Blue Cantrell with Breathe, but his second number one was with The Saturdays, their song What About Us. So he has Blue Cantrell and Saturdays to thank for his number ones. And speaking of Blue Cantrell, she is at number two this week in her fifth week, which means that this week's new number one 20 years ago was Elton John with Are You Ready For Love? Let's hear a little bit of Breathe and then talk about the nation's new number one single. Blue Cantrell, very respectable four-week run there, but she could not face up against Sir Elton John. This is the sixth of ten number ones that Elton John will have, and it honestly is truly a berserk selection of number ones. Like, would you have guessed, for example, that three of Elton John's number ones were in 2021? I need to take you through these because they will blow your mind a little bit. So which Elton John songs got to number one? You may be thinking, oh, you know, must be Your Song, I'm Still Standing, Crocodile Rock, Daniel, Rocket Man. These are all definite number ones, right? Well, let me tell you, none of those songs got to number one. But the songs that did, first one in 1976, Don't Go Breaking My Heart by Elton John and Kiki D. That's as a classic Elton John song. That makes a lot of sense. Then his next number one and his first solo number one would be in 1990. So nearly 20 years into his career and 16 years after his last number one. That one is a double A side of Sacrifice and Healing Hands. Sacrifice the song that would later be turned into Cold Heart, his duet with Dua Lipa. We'll talk about that a little bit in a second. 
So that's the first two. So far you're like, I don't really remember Sacrifice, but sure, they seem like normal number ones. Then his next single to get to number one is Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me, his duet with George Michael. Of course, two legends of singing. Of course, their duet got to number one. And then 1997, we have, of course, Candle in the Wind, the biggest selling song of the 1990s. So we've mentioned the biggest selling album and the biggest selling single of the 1990s this week, like we're some sort of 90s show. Ooh, imagine. So they all make sense as number ones, right? They are the first four of his number ones. And then after that, things get a little strange. So think of all the classic Elton John songs that didn't get to number one. And here are the ones that did. In 2002, Blue featuring Elton John. Sorry seems to be the hardest word. In 2003, right now, Are You Ready For Love? A song that had previously got to number 42 when it was released in May 1979. Then his next number one, of course... What else but Tupac featuring Elton John with Ghetto Gospel, a number one in July 2005, that classic combination of a dead Tupac and Elton John. And then in he didn't have another number one for 16 years, and then he had three in one year with Cold Heart, as I mentioned, by Elton John and Dua Lipa. Merry Christmas, his duet with Ed Sheeran, and then the truly terrible did some good things for charity probably to or rather elton john donated the amount of money this song made rather than this song existing lad baby featuring ed sheeran elton john sausage rolls for everyone of the 10 number ones only three of them solo and the other ones are with kiki d george michael blue dua Lipa, ed sheeran and lad baby good on you elton i guess although i'm a bit scared because if he has another number one he's going to beat madonna's total and i i can't have that so please stop buying elton john songs everyone After all, he has had 72 UK top 40s, so he probably does not need another one necessarily. But here he is at number one in the first week of September 2003 in a remix version of his song, Are You Ready For Love? But I'm confused. Uh, Sorry, Lady Gaga, who is it? Who did that song? Sir Elton John. Oh yes, that's it. I remember now. So yeah, welcome Elton John to this week's number one follow us on social media at 2000s chart show on twitter at the 2000s chart show on instagram we're at youtube and spotify where you can hear all of the songs that we've played in part on this podcast email us at the 2000s chart show at gmail.com recommend us to all of your friends who love pop music and join us next week where we'll see if elton john can hold on for another week with his song are you ready for love Limp biscuit? No, I'm not so keen on limp biscuit. You're not so keen on limp biscuit. I don't like anything limp in my life. Right, okay, of course you don't.